Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint. Hey, can we just say a big hello to all the folks who are watching online right now? There's a bunch of them out there. Give them a big hand. Yeah. So, so glad you're joining us on, on this journey with us today. We're in a brand new series called How Do I? And then we're, we're trying to answer questions that a lot of folks have on their minds. And last week was a great start to our series where we talked about how do I forgive somebody who's hurt me, somebody who's wronged me. And if you missed that, man, please, please, please check it out on lifepointsa.com or go to our app. You can download our app, LifePointSA, on iTunes, and you can listen to it there as well. We would love for you to catch up on that. And can I just say that last week, by the way, we gave away some really cool shirts. If you missed that, we might have a few more. Don't be taking some to your friends down the road. Oh, or you can, I don't care. Anyways, but some great swag last week. Got a little something for you as you walk out the door today. We care about your health. So blue bell for everybody on their way out the door. Yeah, can, can I get an amen on that? It's about the end of summer. You gotta end summer with some blue bell. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But listen, best part of last week, we had 24 people give their lives to Jesus, everybody. Come on, somebody. Woo. Listen, if you read the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, whenever people would say yes to Jesus, when they would have this aha moment where they give their lives to Jesus, one of the things that they did almost immediately was they would go get water baptized. And we're doing that next Sunday right here and right at Next Step Central, you can talk to somebody. We have pastors out there who will be glad to talk you through that, what that looks like. But man, we want to see some folks celebrating their next step, uh, putting on their Jesus jersey, like whatever you want to call it. We can't wait to see that happen next week. Have, have several people signed up already. Listen, if that's a next step for you, let's, let's make it happen. Let's celebrate together. It'll be the, one of the best decisions you've ever made. Today, I want to talk about something that is so common so kind of ordinary in our country, and because it's so ordinary, people just sort of normalize it and accept things as the way they are, but it's a very, very real uh, problem. And it, this, prob this thing doesn't care who you are, whether you're rich or poor or in between. Um, it, it wants to devour your peace. It wants to tear up your happiness. Each year, uh, a couple of years ago, several years ago, Time Magazine did an, uh, an article on this, a whole magazine on it, actually, um, and said that it costs, I think they said $60 billion of a year in, in management of this in terms of counseling, medication, books, counts, uh, wellness programs, diets, hospitalizations. And then they said that it was something like $40 billion a year in lost wages to employees because they were having to deal with this, and so they lost money by not being able to go to work. So like a $100 billion a year issue in, in, in our country. And it's a major contributor to heart attacks. It, it plays a big role in raising blood pressure uh, for millions of Americans. It produces sleepless nights. It causes problems in the home and, and, and in relationships, and it is often a leading um, a cause of, of divorce. It leads to anxiety and depression. It contributes to people deciding to commit suicide. It causes fatigue, dizziness, ulcers, and a whole host of other symptoms. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's stress, right? All of this caused by stress. So today we wanna say, how do I handle stress? What does God want me to do with my stress? What does the Bible say about stress? Just a show of hands, how many of you would say, 
Yeah, it's kind of a regular part of my life dealing with stress. Raise your hands real quick. Raise your hands all over the place. So that's a whole bunch of us. All right, and some of us deal with its ugly sister that comes with it, which is anxiety as well. Come on, you don't have to raise your hands on that one, but there's a lot of us that do that as well. For, for most of us, stress comes from just normal, like everyday things, like noise. Like for me, if there's just loud noises for no reason, like I can't, it makes me crazy, right? My kids will tell you this. Like, like earphones in, people are just jamming out, scream, like blasting in their ears, city noises, honking, traffic. Come on, traffic is stressful. Am, am I right on this? Three of you. All right, I see. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, man, but I can be at my most stressed and as a result, my worst in traffic. It's like it's a competition, and I'm, I'm a race car driver, and and, and, and women are always like, why do you feel like you're in such, why are you so stressed out driving right now? And it's like, because I can't let that guy beat me. Beat you at what? I don't know, but I got to win. Win what? <laughs> oh, man, you know what I'm saying. Got to win. A- and if they do something bad, then the angry driver's ed teacher comes out in me, and I got to catch up to them and give them the right hand of fellowship. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't do that. I don't do that. Give them the right honk of fellowship, you see what I'm saying? But I gotta teach them something. Like, I don't know why we do this, but we do this, and all I know is it adds to stress. And, and God help all of you as you try to drop off your kids at elementary school, or, or dear Lord, well, I, my kids at uh, uh, Com Arts and Taft right over there, what a nightmare. It's like, the, like, it's like blind Bartimaeus designed that whole situation over there. Just put stuff here. Seriously, stress like right off the top. Another area of stress that's common for people is family, right? And we're not gonna talk a lot about family today because we talked about forgiveness last week in a couple of weeks. We're gonna be talking about how to deal with difficult people, but family, like your parents drive you nuts, your brother and sisters are driving you nuts, the family's crazy, especially at the holidays which are coming right now. Grandpa's gone, you miss him. You know, you gotta go to, to dinner with Uncle Johnny's house. You know, he's gonna put a Santa house hat on. He's gonna get drunk. He's gonna lose his pants. It's gonna be awful. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying, right? You got that guy? Some of you, you're like, man, I wanna get married, and I'm not. You're stressed out. Then you get married, and you're like, oh, this is stressful too, you know? Wanna have a kid, can't have a kid. You have a kid, and you're like, Dear God, I can't sleep. I'm stressed out. The kid stresses you out, and you're wondering, why didn't I stay single? And you're freaking out about all of it. Right? Some of you would say, I'm sitting next to my stress this morning. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. Think it. Some of us are stressed out because we don't feel like we have meaningful community in our lives. We don't have real friends. We lack quality friendships. Loneliness is stressful, man. It really is. Some of us, our finances are another huge source of stress. You know, some of us say, like, if I could just get to broke, that would be like a win for me. Come on, anybody know what I'm saying? If I could just be broke, like, those guys are rich, you know? Um, right? Jobs and careers add to the stress. Americans, outside of uh, Japanese, the Japanese, we're like neck and neck about who works the most of any nation in the world, right? We overwork, we're stressed out because of how much we have to work. Additionally, success sometimes causes more anxiety and stress than even failure does. Like when you fail at something, like people come along you and rub your back and give you some muffins and feel sorry for you. But when you succeed, right, they stab you in your back and talk bad about you. Come on, amen, somebody? That's just, that's just your family, right? <laughs> your cousins. 
right? And, and, and how many of you know here today that, and you don't have to raise your hands, but you know, man, I'm overwhelmed by life. I'm overscheduled. I'm overworked. I'm, 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 I'm overexhausted far more than I feel like I can handle. There's a bunch of you, I promise you there is. I've been there. I wanted to define stress for the purposes of this message is the gap that exists between the demands placed upon us and our ability to meet those demands. It's good, right? The gap that exists between the demands that are placed upon us from somewhere and our ability to meet those demands, meaning I have this much demands placed upon me, but I have this much capacity to meet those demands, and that, that gap is, is heavy and, and exhausting, and pretty much everyone I know has stress because of that gap. And the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about this, believe it or not. Pro- Proverbs, one of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 34. One of the very first sermons I ever preached was on this, was on this passage, and Proverbs 34 says that many are the afflictions. Like if you're, if you're taking notes today, underline that word many, right? Many are the afflictions, and that word just means the kind of pressure that, 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 that tends to choke us out, to suffocate us. That's what it means. It's like almost torture-like. Many are the afflictions of the what? The righteous, but the Lord, what? Delivers him out of them all. Many the pressures and the stresses and the anxiousness of even the righteous. Even righteous people have afflictions and stresses that weigh us down and can feel soul-crushing to the extent that there are some of you here in this room today who are quite honestly feeling right now that if any, if any, if any other thing happens, if one more thing happens, if anybody adds one more thing to this pile of stuff that's already suffocating me. I don't know if I can breathe. And my heart goes out to you because I've been there so many times to, to, to the extent that you feel like I can't breathe under the pressure of what's happening in my own life. But, but Jesus comes along and he says, I want you to know, he's, he's like honest with us. In John chapter 16 he says, in this world, you will have trouble, right? But, but, but take heart, which just means to take courage, to be confident, to be certain, to be, to be undaunted in, in, in the face of the trouble. He says, because take heart, right? Exclamation point. Can we say that? Take heart, exclamation point, right? Because I have overcome the world. Like, what he means by that is I have deprived it of its power to harm you, and I have conquered it on your behalf, right? We don't have to accept the stress and the trouble and the pressure. We don't have to let it crush us underfoot. We can choose to know what God says about it. We can choose to do it God's way. And, 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 and everyone is going to have to deal with some stress. God's solution is not, hey, I want to take all the stress out of your life. It's to take heart in the middle of it, right? Things that are simply unavoidable for the most part, deadlines and, and traffic and lines and, and bills and the like. And, and, but in almost every situation in the sort of unavoidable category, the stuff that just happens that, 
nobody can make go away. We can't make traffic go away, right? You, you know what takes the stress down a notch considerably? Margin. Not margarine. That's bad for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> margin. It's the extra space if you have a paper with, with lines on it, it's that, it's that extra white space around the limits of a page. I need a little bit more. You could, you could bleed out into the margins. Right? It's the shoulder on the highway. I'm having trouble. My car's freaking out. You pull over into the margin, the shoulder, and you can have rest there, and you can get out and figure out, because if you have to stop in the middle of the road, bam, it's a bad day about to get real, real bad, right? It, it, it's, it's a month's worth of income, Joe Sangle says, um, in the bank for the emergencies of life. It's leaving 10 or 15 minutes early to work in case there's traffic. <laughs> what if it's an in case there's traffic? Because there's traffic and because maybe somebody's gonna be looking at their phone and bumping into the guy in front of them. That guy, you need, you need, that's mar- you need margin for that. It's, it's choosing the least busy time to hit the grocery store, which I used to think, I pick up my littlest one at 2.50, 3 o'clock, I go there to the Target, nobody's gonna be there, wrong. Every woman's there that's ever been, right? <laughs> Come on, women, I, I don't wanna object with you too much because I'm afraid of you, really, but um, like you guys love to just kind of meander really slowly and like look at stuff and read things on it. Like what are you guys reading on that, man? Just grab it and throw it in, you know what I'm saying? Like, dudes are like just, just grabbing stuff and throwing stuff in and hauling stuff out and then paying for it. Ladies are like, oh, yeah, 33 grams of sodium. I'm kidding, but you guys do this. And I just want to hurry around you because I'm stressed out and hurried, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, sorry. Sorry, ladies, don't shoot things at me. Margin happens when I stop waiting until the last second to get things done and give myself time to do things that are good like non-stressful pace. All of you procrastinators unite. Yeah, you're like, I don't know what that means. Stress creates a gap that weighs heavy. Margin creates space so I can breathe easy. Margin is the space that I create by intention and only intention between our current pace, the pace that we're running at, and, and our limits, which... Oftentimes, when we don't have margin, we run margin. We run beyond the pace that our limits can handle. Margin will lower stress in almost all of the unavoidable circumstances of life that that add stress. All the stuff that we can't control, margin will help with that. But then I'd argue that a lot of the stress that we have in life is self-inflicted, meaning we actually kind of choose this ways these ways and it's not always easy to fix because the pattern is the problem our pattern is the problem it's creating the, the, the stress and so I want to spend the rest of our time talking about that because the rest of it you can read you can listen you can you know do but I want to talk about the part that's really the root of the problem well, what do you do with your stress the experts will say you know medicate you know get massages do therapy blah, 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 like get acupuncture, right? For me, the idea that I gotta put my foot behind my head and smell something lavendery while they poke me with needles just is stressful already. Come on, lemony, lavendery, I don't know what it is, what the smell is, but it's that smell. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? right? When, when solutions are offered, they're oftentimes a simplistic, like, which is good, right? 
but, but, but a lot of times they only patch these kinds of things, the avoidable kinds of stress that we have. They only patch them. Relax, slow down or you'll break down. Do less, live longer. Stay out of the stress-producing situations. Like if we knew how to do that, we'd never do it, right? Come on. Right. Avoid stressful people. That's your whole office, right? And your family on top of that, right? Take more vacations. I need money. I don't have money. Get some fun in your life. Sit in a hot tub. Well, that raises your blood pressure because when I go to the gym, they say, don't go into the hot room because it raises your blood pressure. So I can't go in there, right? Get, get more exercise. Be- balance out your diet. diet. Drink less caffeine. But I'm an addict. I gotta have the caffeine. Anybody with me on that? All of these are good solutions, right? They're perfectly good. But I don't think that in some cases they address the root cause for most of us, and that is simply this. The way that we think is off, and our motivations for why we do what we do is off. Our thinking about life and our motives get all jacked up, our priorities get wrong, and our pursuits, at least for me a lot of times, are, are empty because I achieve something and I don't find any satisfaction as a result, and mostly meaningless. So then stress is the fruit, but bad thinking is the root. Make sense? And, and, and that's why I mean when I say most of our stress is self-inflicted. And this doesn't matter if you're 12 and in middle school or if you're 75 and trying to figure out how to pay off the rest of your junk, right? This is self-inflicted. We literally choose things. We choose ways of doing things. We think thoughts that stress us out because our thinking is off. Now, as a pastor, trust me that I'm an expert in this area. In the bad way. Like I know all the, like I can tell you all the things not to do, right? I, I've actually even recently been what, what I now realize is burned out, fried. And, and, and here's why I got fried and here's why you get fried. Is that stress, the avoidable stress comes when I try to do more than God has intended for me to do. That he's wired me, more than what he's wired me up to do more than than the capacity that he's given me to do, more than he's gifted me or called me to do. Now, some of you are pushing back right away. It's my job, man. What am I supposed to do, quit? Maybe. Maybe that job's not worth your family, your happiness, your sanity, or your health. Maybe there's a job that's less insane that would still provide but maybe not at the level you think you're supposed to be at, but you're trying to live above God's provision for your life, competing with somebody else who doesn't even know you're competing with them. Now, this is tough, so hang with me here. You're like, man, my kids have all these activities that they love and I like for them to do. What am I supposed to do, have them quit some of that? Yeah, yeah. Is running our kids all over the place really what's best for them? Come on, listen, can I just say this, give a good amen on this? They're terrible at soccer. Stop trying to make them be it. (laughs) They can't dance, quit. (laughs) Like some of you got your kids out there and they're chasing butterflies around. Let them be a bug guy, that's what they wanna be, man. Stop making them a soccer player. Come on, all the coaches said amen. Just wanted to throw that out there, kids. 
Some, some of you are going, you know what, Danny? I'm, I'm stressed by all that I have to do. Question. Do you really have to do all you have to do? Do you really have to keep doing everything everyone asks you to do? Or can you learn the power of one word? No. No. But but people will be mad at me. They'll get over it. People will make fun of me. So what? No is one of the best words you'll ever learn. It's the most freeing word you can learn. Say no. Let me ask you another question, and this is gonna be hard for some of us because that are driven. Is it really wisdom to keep climbing up the corporate ladder? Because with each new rung on the ladder requires more from you, which gives you less for your family, less for the things that fill you up, and less to the things that God has called you to do. Just because there's an opportunity doesn't make it wise to take the opportunity. Every door is not meant for God, is not God's will for you to walk through. Is more always more? Or, or is the addition that you keep doing to your life actually subtracting from your quality of life? Thinking, motivations, why am I doing it? Why do I feel like I have to do this? What if your version of what a successful life looks like is actually more or beyond the capacity that God has given you? And and the net result of, of you forcing it anyway is stress and fatigue, and frustration, and anxiety, and tension in your home, and and, and a loss of intimacy with your kids, or your wife, or your husband, and, and a loss of relationship with your heavenly Father, who has, in fact, a perfect design for your life. But you're trying to force things on it. You are listening right now to a guy who frankly burned out in about September of last year. About a year ago. And do you know why I burned out? It took a long time for me to understand this. But do you know why I got fried mentally, physically, by my doctors, why the pastors who oversee me said, you will take time off or you will die? That's what they told me. My doctors told me, this could kill you. Do you know why I did this? I ignored God's capacity for my life. Like I was comparing myself and my success to others who had a higher God-given capacity than me. And frankly, the idea that God would give somebody else a bigger capacity than me, it, it troubled me, it bothered me. But there's a parable called the parable of the talents. I'm gonna give this guy one. I'm gonna give this guy two. I'm gonna give this guy five. Well, that's not fair. What's God? He can do anything he wants. And he does. And so that no matter how much Um, that I accomplished or, or that I achieved, it was never good enough. Always felt lacking. There was no joy in whatever I accomplished. There was no joy in it for me because I wasn't satisfied with God's best for me. I wanted what was God's best for that guy over there and I worked hard to force it to be so for me. And eventually, I broke down. this stuff will break you down. 
Listen, you cannot overwork your mind. You cannot overwork your emotions. You cannot overwork your body and not eventually pay the price for that excess. And that price can be anything from burnout to relational tension to struggles in your marriage to physical illness to mental illness. But there's always a price to the excess when you take your body, your mind, your emotions, your spirituality and run at a max that you can't run at. There's always a price. Let me ask you another question. Whose pace and whose race are you running? Is this the pace that God has set for you? Are you running the race that God has laid out for you? Or is it somebody else's pace? Is it somebody else's race? A couple, several years ago, I started cycling, and I thought after a while that I'm bad to the bone. I'm a, I'm a cyclist. And I was only cycling by myself, which was a problem, is why I overestimated my ability. And so one day I say to my brother-in-law, Mark Garcia, who's like the energizer bunny, the fittest guy I know, seriously. And I'm like, bro, he, he might be able to outrun me, outlift me, he can't outball me though. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie to that. I'll back, I'll back him down, bro, and I'll just put it right in his eye. It's because he's short though. But anyways, that's a whole, whole other thing. And so I was like, come on, let's cycle, Marco, let's go. And I'm like, dude, I'm gonna take him. You know, we got those terrible shorts on, you know, those terrible, like, like I'm the dude that when you're driving around down the road and you see that guy in those biker shorts, you're like, dear God, put that away, man. That's me. <laughs> but you gotta have those, man. You gotta have that pad. You gotta have that margin. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, you gotta have some margin in there for the chafing that goes on with those shorts. <laughs> too much? Too much, probably too much. Margarine, butter, Crisco, Lard, lard for the lard, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so anyways, we get out, and like literally, I'm puffing up, I'm, I got my head down, I'm puffing up this hill, and I look up, and Marco's a speck in the future. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I gotta catch him, and I, and I tried really hard to catch up to him, but frankly, I got almost hyperventilated and had to turn around and come home, and I sucked my thumb a little bit on the way home. <laughs> oh, he's better at me than that too, right? And he looks better in those shorts than I do too, dear Lord. I was trying to run his pace and his race and I was hyperventilated in the process. But some of us do that in our lives. Trying to run that guy's pace, that guy's race. Listen to me, are you stressed out from trying to keep up with everybody else? Are you living under the stress of competition and comparison? Comparing your stuff to their stuff? What's driving your need to succeed at any cost? The cost of your marriage, the cost of your relationships with your kids, the cost of your health, the cost of your mental well-being. What are the motives driving that? And you need to spend some time thinking about why I do what I do, why I self-inflict this kind of damage on my life. Are you a perfectionist with unrealistic goals that are not rooted in reality? Have you allowed stress to go on so long in your life that anxiety has come along for the ride now and now you're freaking about, out about all the what ifs of life? It's because that's what anxiety is. Motives. Not content to be your best, you gotta be the best. And if you're not the best, then you feel like you're less than anybody else. Not, not everybody can be a 10, ladies and gentlemen. 
Not everybody can work at a 10 pace all the time. You break down. Sometimes you just gotta own up. I'm a seven, I'm a four, I'm a five. I'm gonna do my best, I'm gonna run my race. I'm gonna be content with what God's given me. I wish he'd have given me more capacity, but I can't, I'm gonna get better. I'm gonna keep working hard. I'm gonna keep striving. I'm not saying not any, to do any of that. I'm saying there's a lid, man. We all have it. But let me say something else emphatically. It is not God's will for you, for me, to live under the stresses and pressures of our culture all the time, right? It's not God's will. It's the disease of our culture, but just because we live in a culture who has this as a disease doesn't mean we have to adopt its worst ways. Right? And of course, if anything is going to change in my life, it will start with me taking responsibility for my life. It will start by me getting a handle on a few things. So how do I handle stress? I'm just gonna give you a few things that you gotta get a handle on. Number one, I gotta get a handle on God's purpose for my life. Not that guy's life, not her life, not my brother's life, not my cousin's life, like my life. Like what is God's plan for my life? What has he wired me up to do? What has he gifted me to do? What's the capacity that he's given me in my life? And then get urgent about the things that he's given me to do and not every other little thing that pops up in my life. We often forsake the truly important for the urgent things that just pop up in our lives. Remember when we used to have pop-up ads back in the AOL days, remember that? You'd be working along, boop, and you're like, what? And you have to click on that thing. Like, oh, what's that gonna do for you, right? But that's how our lives are. Emergencies pop up, we have no margin, we freak out, we pour stress on. We gotta figure out what the, earth, what the important things are. What does God want for me? What is God's purpose for my life? How does God want me to handle my finances? How does God want me to handle my relationships? How does he want me to handle my time? So that by the time I have a grasp, a handle on what God's purposes are on my life, it makes, me so much e- it makes life so much easier to make decisions of because I can run them through the purpose, the filter of, is this God's best for my life? Is this God's purpose for my life? To saying yes to this thing, this is aligned with God's purpose for my life. And because now, after having failed at some things, I know what my life is all about, it makes it so much easier for me to say no to certain things and yes to certain things because now I'm making my decisions, running them through the grid of, is this contribute to my purpose or not? Spending money based on, is this part of God's plan for my life or not? Is this what I'm called to do or not? So in light of that, here's the takeaway of this point. In light of that, the wisdom of life consists in the elimination of all of the non-essentials of life. Looking at my calendar going, do we really need to be doing all this stuff? Looking at all the stuff that I have and going, do I really need all this stuff? And you just start eliminating, ruthlessly eliminating things that don't belong in your life based on God's purpose for your life. And if you get a skill at the elimination of the non-essentials, life has margin, breathing room. Sorry, I can't do that. It just doesn't contribute to where I'm going in my life. It's just not what's best for my family. I can't go to every function that every kid in the neighborhood has for my family. It's, this is our world. We're gonna ki- kind of keep close watch on our kids and our world. We're gonna create margin. It doesn't contribute to our purpose. And if you don't know what your purpose is, and if, or if you're kind of going, I kind of know, but I don't really know, we do this thing called growth track. It's gonna happen right over in this building, right over here, right after this service, and we'll have lunch and childcare. And one of the great joys for us is just helping people figure out, 
oh, this is what I'm gifted, and this is kind of how my personalities are, and this is where I could put that to work. And God, and, 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 and it's not the be-all, end-all, but it helps to get a clearer picture of what God's purpose is for my life. The, the second thing we got to get a handle on is, is my use of time, because time equals life. Time equals life. And much of the stress that we self-inflict is because of our use of time. And, and you gotta get a handle on how you use it. And I gotta say this as plain as I can here. Many of you can't do everything that you're currently doing. It, it is not possible and it will break you down. The elimination of, of non-essential has to happen in your life. I, I'd like to invite you to do something that we've done around here before several years ago. It's in your LifePoint notes if you've got them there. If you didn't get a copy, we can get you one. Um, if not, you can do this mentally, but uh, I want you to write an O next to the, 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 the questions I have there if that's often, like this is often true of you, or an S, like if this is seldom true of you, because these are indicators that stress is becoming destructive in your life because of your use of time. No, number one, I live in a chronic sense that there's never enough time. No matter how fast I run, I always feel like I'm behind playing catch up, seldom or often. Number two, I have an increased sense of irritability, right? I'm just anxious and angry and I strike out and I'm getting angry at people for really no reason because impatient and hurried folk just get angry a lot more often. Look at any traffic jam you've been in. Come on, right or wrong. Third indicator of destructive stress in your life is physical tension in your body or in your muscles to the extent that you constantly find your leg doing this or you're constantly tapping your leg or you're, you know, you're drumming your fingers or you're chewing your nails, right? You're like, I thought that was just my way. No, 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 that's, that's indication that you lack peace in your life. It's true. Fourth indicator is being preoccupied, meaning I have an inability to be fully present in the moment that I have to work hard to look people in the eyes when they're talking to me because I'm already thinking about the next thing. Another one, this is huge, the loss of a, of a sense of deep gratitude and joy, meaning I get up in the morning and instead of being grateful because it's another day and I get to do what I get to do, Instead of that, I just find myself overwhelmed with all the stuff that I have to do and I'm on autopilot and, and no matter what I achieve or accomplish or have, I'm not grateful for it. I just feel stressed out about it. Another indicator is just fatigue. You just are chronically fatigued. You're tired all the time and, and you lack vitality. And last one, feeling that even though you keep going faster, that somehow you're missing out on life. That even though you keep running faster and doing more, it feels like something is slipping through your fingers and that something is your life. Time equals life. You know, the thing is in our country that we, things like exhaustion and fatigue and being overscheduled and overworked and overcommitted are not only tolerated, but they're glorified because they, they are somehow seen as signs that I must be a very important person and I must be worth something and I must be climbing some ladder that my existence is validated because I lead an exhausted, insanely paced life wrong and it circles right back to the way we think and our motivations almost all of this is self-inflicted stress is the fruit but our thinking is the root what would your schedule look like if God were in charge of your time your days 
Which brings me to the obvious question at this point. Is your current schedule really working for you? Like, is it really working for you? Like, I don't have all this right yet, but I'm working on it. And so here's what I think. I'm learning that my schedule is far more, or far less about what I have to get done and far more about who I want to become. Because I don't want to wake up at 60 filled with regrets because I got this wrong. So you take a look at your schedule and, and, and that you're trying to put into your life and you ask yourself, is, babe, is this right? And you have a conversation with, with your husband or your wife or if you're a single person, you get a friend or maybe it's your parent. Is this right? Is this in balance or is it out of balance? And you, and you get a handle on your time. You stop letting your calendar rule your life. You rule it. I could talk about getting a handle on your money because finances is one of the leading things that causes stress, but Man, we offer a small group right here on Thursday nights, right here in this auditorium called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. Amazing resources, amazing teachings. We can give you a link to the, the two-hour teaching that, that the, the, the guru Joe Sangle just gave us last Friday night. We can, we can help you with that. The last one, and I'm done, is your thinking. Your thinking. It, it really does all boil down to this, I've got to rethink what matters in my life in light of eternity. Listen, some of you, if you don't get the thinking part right, then every other de-stress tool that's out there will only be a temporary fix because you'll always go back to the way you were because your thinking didn't get fixed along the way. The actions will follow the thinking. So I need to change the way I think about my time about my life and God's purposes for my life and my finances and, and what really matters. I gotta stop and think. Again, whose pace are you running? Whose life are you comparing yourself to? And listen to, to me, if you run somebody else's race long enough, you'll break down. And when we face stress for too long, sometimes, listen to me carefully, sometimes we give our, ourselves permission to do godless things. When we run at that pace too long, we justify godless, sinful behaviors, myself included. So many of the mistakes that people make in life come at the end of a season of stress. Some of us, we've got to fix our thinking by just stop talking about your problems and, 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 and thinking about your problems chronically, right? We're worrying things to death mentally. And listen, the body creates uh, uh, adrenal glands that shoot out stuff, that alarm bells go off when you think about and, and create all this angst and anxiety. Your body actually triggers alarms, fight or flight responses. Man, I just had them all of last fall, all during the, 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 the day and night. And I was freaked out and stressed out because of, of, of that stuff, man. Stop, stop allowing the enemy to tell you everything is the worst. It's not the worst. There's two choices, freak out or respond out of trust and relationship with Jesus. God, I trust you. Some of you would say, I, I freaked out because the circumstances were overwhelming. And I would say, you need to ask yourself, did it help? Did it work to freak out? Did that make you more loving, more kind, more Christ-like? A chronically stress-filled life is a miserable life. It hurts you physically you suffer. It hurts you emotionally and you suffer. It hurts you spiritually and you suffer. It hurts you relationally and you suffer. And millions and millions of Americans say, bring it on. I can handle it. Don't be one of those guys. 
Because listen, the kingdom of God, the Bible says, is living within us. And kingdom living is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17 says. Peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Don't allow Satan to to have you upset and stressed out all the time. Change your attitude. Change your approach. Rethink the way you think. Let God renew your mind. I'm learning to push the reset button when life or Satan or whomever gets me upset. When I get upset, push the reset button. Breathe. Think about it. Don't freak out. Trust God. I'm done. I'm over my time. But you already knew that. Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 11, this is from the message. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. We did a whole series on that one line. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what Jesus offers you. Come to me, all you, he says in in, in the NIV, who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your souls. Some of you, your souls are just exhausted. You're exhausted at a soul level. Bring it to me, Jesus says. For me, when I'm tired, when I'm worn out, when I'm burned out, there's nothing like just bringing my stuff to Jesus and going, here here it is. God, here's the stuff that's keeping me awake at night. Here's the stuff that I'm troubled with. This morning, I practiced this as I was praying, and I felt the tension rising over things that are going on, and I just brought it to Jesus, and I began to sing a song. I felt the presence of God come in the room and I felt God, I felt that just release. The circumstances didn't change, but the presence of God has a way of coming in and releasing me from the pain and the strain and the struggle and the tension because there's peace in his presence. There's joy in his presence. There's help in his presence. There's hope in his presence. So I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes and maybe just open your hands just a little bit. Just empty your hands, God, here's my stuff. And you can just call it out however you want. Lord, here's my stuff. Here's the stuff I'm struggling with. Here's the stuff that's threatening to break me down. God, be the peace speaker in my life. God, I pray for my friends here today. Your blessings over them, your grace over them. Lord, that you would just give them the grace and strength to to be what you have for them to be, God, to, to do what you have them to do. God, that you would help them to realize your purposes for their life capacity that you've given them. It's not maybe the same as somebody else's capacity, but this is the capacity that I'm working with, and I want to be my best. God, would you give us grace and strength? Would you help us to build margin into our lives? Would you help to make worship a priority? Would you help us to practice the presence of God in our lives on a daily basis? Just to invite you to move as we sing, as we worship, as we we read the scriptures, as we have God times, that you would just pour into us, God. So much of what life takes out of us, you can pour it right back to us. Just one moment in your presence. Just one moment in your presence.